0: Hi there. This is uh, Kaylee from Hyper Brands. I'm the marketing director.
1: And this is Gil from Hyper as well. I'm the founder.
0: And today we are going to be kind of digesting some of these articles. This is our second uh, appearance, so hopefully you enjoyed some of our insights last time. Um, cool. So diving right into these great reads that uh, we've got curated here. Um, the, first, the first article is really interesting to me. So therapy influencers are using Instagram to spread mental health awareness. So I'm actually a big advocate of mental health awareness myself, and I've noticed this trend more and more um, in kind of a a range of ways. I think there's a kind of a fine line between what is actually mental health awareness. Um, You know, some of it, you know, self-care, buying nice beauty products isn't necessarily what I would consider mental health, although we we do see a huge upswing in people being interested in that. But um, one of my favorite influencers actually in this space is, her name is Brianna Wiest, and she started out as a... um, kind of a blogger. Um, she talks a lot about emotional intelligence and kind of uh, recovering from kind of hardships in life and self-awareness. And she's taken her, um, she's taken her content to Instagram where she posts a lot of text posts. Um, a little bit about lifestyle and kind of herself and some photography, but it's really more about the text in um, the content. I think that's really interesting and we'll see if, um, if Instagram continues to lend itself to more kind of long form text content.
1: Yeah, I think what's interesting here is that, Um, We're looking at a space that is completely different than the typical lifestyle, fitness, healthy uh, eating and uh, fashion that everybody thinks of when we think about influencer marketing on Instagram. And we're seeing um, a space that really takes advantage of the fact that people can be influential, not just have a big following. And a lot of these uh, mental health influencers are people that, have credibility because they're obviously dealing with mental health issues themselves. And pretty much, you know, we've gotten to the point where if 20 years ago it was embarrassing to have a mental health issue, now we know that everybody deals with certain levels of mental health. And so uh, it's something that this generation is much open, much more open to talking about. And what we're seeing is that um, influencer marketing is evolving into spaces that weren't there in its early ages, and where influence is really what matters, not the number of followers, and that's what's exciting to me. Um, My friend runs one of the bigger mental health um, awareness companies in the world, and um, they provide uh, um, an online solution for you to find assistance, and they've uh, shifted their entire strategy into influencer marketing to the point where they just say, we can't hire enough influencers at this point.
0: Oh wow, that's pretty cool, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we've all seen like Michael Phelps uh, advertising Talkspace in the New York City subways, but uh, it'll be cool to see, especially how influencers kind of, like you said, Gail, utilize Instagram in particular, a platform that's usually considered kind of like a fake, shiny version of, of your life at its best, and how they kind of reconcile their mental health topics with uh, the Instagram aesthetic.
1: Yeah, so. and Instagram is, is just one place. I, I'm sure we're, um, where, where we're seeing it mostly is in places like uh, YouTube and I think what we're going to eventually see in in general is that uh, social networks develop around influencers and not the other way around. So if enough people are talking about mental health, there's going to be somebody who's going to build a mental health solution that's a social network and a platform for those people to to share and communicate with each other. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. Um, I know that Reddit is a place that's really big for that. There's a lot of communities, but it's still kind of anonymized. It's impossible to be influential when you're When I signed up
1: for Reddit, the first group it recommended to me was people posting something and asking what it is. And I've seen some things that I cannot... (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> I won't. I won't advocate Reddit as a complete mental health solution, yes. but there are some good uh, spaces there. So yes. definitely been helpful to me and some people I know. So mm-hmm. cool. All right, next up, um, this uh, this company here did a survey of 400 influencers. Um, they looked at mostly mid-level influencers, um, charging between 250 to 400 per blog post. We we at Hyper, and you may know them as uh, we call them micro influencers. So Gil, what were kind of your your Takeaways from this?
1: I mean, the first thing that jumped to me is that they have a blog, which already makes me wonder if they're um, the typical influencer. I think most influencers today uh, might have a website, but they don't necessarily have an ongoing blog, um, or they might have like a store of their own or some kind of other presence. Yeah. So that, that kind of struck me as weird. But it did say um, that they don't like to get commissions, and that's, that's kind of none of us do, right? Why, why is that surprising? We know that the paid Per post model is generally where influencers want to go. But it's also one that puts most of the risk on the advertiser. I don't think it's a sustainable model in this space. I think if you're an influencer and you plan on being paid per post over time, you're going to find uh, that it's struggling because more and more micro-influencers are becoming well-known and and they're getting accessible and they're willing to be paid in other ways. So the paid by commission... um, Model, while it seems to us almost like a given right now, I, th- I my my guess is that a year or two down the road we're going to see a lot more um, influencers accepting other forms of uh, compensation.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Um, cool. So moving right along, um, here's the the quote here for the next article. It's unlike any other social platform how brands are tapping into Gen Z influencers on TikTok. So I actually. Um, I'm late twenties. I'm not a huge TikTok user. I think I'm probably right on the edge of the age of people who seem to be using TikTok. I did, um, do a little research on like YouTube of like the best TikTok videos. I was really interested in it, but at the same time, it's not really the content that's for me. But at the same time, we've got some speculation in our office um, about TikTok. So Gil can speak to that. Yeah,
1: I mean, the narrative is that TikTok is overtaking the US. It's been number one in the app store for very long. But and we have people of all age groups here. Um, I'm, of course, the ancient 42-year-old. But um, we don't know that many people who really use TikTok the way that people use Instagram. Uh, we don't know anybody who... Or we we don't know a lot of people who don't use Instagram. It kind of feels like the people who use TikTok are here and there. You might bump into some of them. So there's there's some stuff to see in it. Uh, we haven't seen brands really tapping into TikTok at least on our. Um, client lists uh, in an aggressive manner.
0: Yeah, we're actually going to be running a survey, so stay tuned about, um, we're going to be um, kind of researching um, some consumers, like a large kind of anonymized pool, and just seeing their uh, their thoughts on TikTok and uh, what kind of content they want to consume, and really, we want to get a sense of if it really is as prolific as, as we hear that it is.
1: I so. think one of the other challenges is really, if you think about TikTok, it's not, it, it kind of reminds me of Vine in the short um, video content obviously it's much more sophisticated and has all these challenges and things like that. But one of the, the things you have to figure out when you when you switch from to a new to a new uh, format is how do you really include advertising or promotion in a way that's efficient and actually gets you customers. And I think there's a big challenge for TikTok to prove that they can convert. And uh, let's see what happens. Um, I know that they're working hard on, on partnering with influencers. So maybe we'll see some innovation there.
0: Yeah, cool. So moving on to some of the sponsored um, articles here, we did find some of these topics interesting. Um, so Instagram follower fraud, Um huge topic of of our uh, kind of our platform and our kind of what we're thinking about at Hyper. Um, We've actually kind of developed the most comprehensive fraud suite here, a little shameless plug. Uh, Gil can speak a little bit about that. But one of the major things that we do find is kind of missed in analysis of fraud is that fraud actually happens when the post goes live. So it's not, you can't um, completely eradicate fraud by just looking at the audience health prior to a campaign. And that's why we're working on developing some tools to really accommodate that.
1: So I think influencer marketing has suffered from um, this downgrading of what uh, metrics mean or what analytics mean, uh, where people want to feel like they get analytics and they get some metrics, but they don't really care what they actually mean. So it used to be that people would say, okay, he's got this many followers, and you're like, oh, he's got a lot of followers, great, I made a good choice, and then of course we realize. Follower count doesn't matter that much because maybe they're inactive. So they said, well, why don't we go after engagement? Let's see how many likes and shares they get. But again, we don't know who those likes and shares are. And at Hyper, we've always had this idea of saying, what are the metrics that really matter? Who are these people that are engaging with them? What's happening after they engage? Do they end up going to buy? Do they end up um, really engaging with the brand? Or is it... Uh, kind of meaningless engagement or engagement from an audience that's never going to buy because they're in the wrong country or the wrong gender or just not um, Mm -hmm. uh, clients, not potential clients. And with fraud, we're seeing it happen all over again. We're seeing these companies come in and say, we're going to tell you um, what their audience quality is. We have some hidden algorithm that looks at how fast they they grew or... um, you know, if any of their uh, followers have typos in their names or do they, or different things like that, that um, inform this algorithm and tells you what the quality of the audience is. And it's kind of valuable because if you think about it, um, the influencer world is built in a way that you can't compete if you don't buy followers to the point where I say that almost all influencers have some level of engagement, but it's also gotten far more sophisticated. Um, the people who are selling followers understand how these tools work. They know not to boost you with a billion followers from Indonesia in a second, and they build tools that are much harder to recognize. Um, at Hyper, we kind of focus on it differently. Our, we really care about fraud when it's happening. And if you think about any industry, um, when when does fraud really happen? It's when there's money on the table. So an influencer might never do any fraud, but then they're hired by a brand to produce a certain amount of posts and reach certain goals and they're not reaching those goals and that's the point where they might be tempted to say okay i'm going to hire a a service or i'm going to join a pod of influencers and i'm going to exchange and that's what we want to recognize as it's happening if you think about in any in digital marketing nobody would tell you oh i analyze this network it's got it's got a good audience no they'll tell you i'm running on the campaign and i'm checking that the clicks that you're getting are real clicks and so we have the same approach just like we do for everything at hyper which is what is the data that really matters and, and what you want to know is when a campaign is running and you're activating 15 or 100 influencers and one of them was tempted to do something in, in proper, improper, then you're um, alerted immediately and you can make a decision on how to act. And unfortunately, um, fraud is just becoming a bigger and bigger um, challenge and I think that for this industry to grow and continue, a real solution needs to be made.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Cool. Um, So moving on from fraud, um, we've got here The Ultimate Influencer's Guide to Bali looks like, uh, here's what it, it claims itself to be, the literal only travel guide ever made specifically for influencers and creators. Discover 100 hotels you can work with, 100 locations to get the best shots, 100 accounts that repost content from Bali regularly. So clearly this is aimed at influencers trying to monetize um, as much as possible. And um, what I what I find really interesting about this is that um, some of the creators that I follow that are really um, growing in their, their fan base and they've got a lot of really active... Um, Kind of relationships with other influencers on the platform is that they're actually starting to develop content specific for influencers. Um, One of one of my uh, my favorites, she's got uh, official. I think her name's like officially Quigley. She's got a whole school now that she has around developing content and being authentic and Mm -hmm. promoting yourself. Um, We saw another influencer recently developing her own platform built for influencers to kind of help them manage contracts and um, payments and things like that. So. It's really interesting how much we're really seeing this industry solidify and how Influencer is really becoming more of kind of, I'd say like a solidified um, career choice.
1: It's kind of interesting that, you, you know, your perspective on it. In my mind, it's becoming more, it's reminding me more and more, and you you were born you when this happened, but when mm-hmm. I was younger, like people, you would walk into the mall and then somebody would walk up to your mom and say, your child is so beautiful, we have, we, they have to start modeling. And... Um, just bring them into our office, and then they say, "Well, we have to make them a book of photos. It's only five hundred dollars, but they're going to get so much work." Oh, and it was whole, yeah. this whole this whole thing, and those that's what the influencer courses look like to me. Meaning, mm. you know, none of the original influencers took any courses right, to do it. And the whole right. idea is to be authentic. You know, it's kind of like you ever heard of these um, pickup courses where the guys learn how to pick up chicks?
0: Mm, no, and I
1: forget <laughs> what it is. it's called—pickup like, artists or whatever it is—and they they teach them all these. Supposed tricks about women that make them uh, respect you and whatever, um, and it, it's become like a joke. It'd pick up artists or whatever they're called, and it's become a joke because come on, if you know if you need to take that course, you're probably not going to be very good. Right. So right. if you're not a naturally authentic influencer and you're not really going, if you don't know how to talk to women, you're not going to yeah. learn that in a course. Um, with, like, a set of ten rules and guidelines yeah. that you need to follow. And I
0: agree. I think and, the whole, yeah. like, ten commandments mm-hmm. of be more authentic is inherently yeah. kind of uh, <laughs> ironic. But yeah. I do think that, you know, for a lot of these creators, they perhaps don't have the business skills or yeah. the management skills for what's, many times. What's really
1: surprising to me is that they think that there are enough people that can afford, uh, want to be influencers and have $47. Because most of them are broke, uh, trying, you know, instead of working, trying to become influencers. So... It's quite a uh, an interesting price point in order to get that that guide. It also is interesting to me that they think that an industry with 1.3 billion dollars worth of fraud, they're just not going to buy one and share it with all their friends.
0: Yeah, it's also kind of sad to me that you know we're seeing like go to this particular place in this one particular country. I mean, that's not really. At some point, you're oversaturating. At some point, you're overburdening yeah. that particular place, and we we see a lot of articles about influencers kind of overstaying their welcome as hotel guests or you know vacationers. So,
1: well, you know how you ever have a friend who went to like some place, and then you go to that place, and then they ask you, they kind of interview you about the places that you went to there, yeah. and if there's like a cool place that they were at and you weren't there they fail you for the whole trip. Yeah. They're like, nope, nope, yeah. <laughs> terrible I, trip. I you actually, missed it. Yeah, I actually, so this is kind
0: of it. <laughs> I actually lived with an influencer short term last mm-hmm. year who went to Bali as part mm-hmm. of her like influence. And uh, it was interesting. Her whole profile was exactly what you'd expect, like yeah. the beaches and the yoga yeah. and the coffee. But she... Um, she was texting me like, "Oh, I hate it. I'm so miserable." So authenticity. <laughs> but so, yeah, but it's
1: funny because now she's gonna she's gonna open this thing and be like, "Oh my god, my trip was a complete failure. Yeah. I didn't go to this place. I didn't go to that place." And come yeah, on, you know, at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, more backlash mm-hmm. to come, I'm sure, yeah. um, with this kind of influence. Cool. All right, moving on. So we've got some interesting people listed here. I don't think Geller and I are particularly uh, familiar with any of these people. I'm. I mean, the LeBronji. girl. Oh, that's cool. I think the girl who had 20 bags of Flaming Hot Cheetos is, I, I consider her a hero in some way. <laughs> um,
1: cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's its interesting, you know, so so, um, there, there, it, it used to be very easy to stand out, meaning the first influencer, the first person was like somebody who set up cameras in their house. I forget what her name was. Turns out it was fake like Oh yeah, that like jewelry. sad girl or whatever a, And then yeah yeah and then like today you really have to do something to stand out, and you have to be really, really creative, or you just become another one of a million influencers. So the 20 Flaming Hot Cheetos girl? She's gonna need to figure something out. Yeah, okay. She's <laughs> Cheeto's top influencer. What's gonna happen in three months? Like, how is she gonna stay relevant? Yeah, she's you think about Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca, something from fr- the song Friday. Rebecca or the, Black. Yeah, or the How About That Girl. Well, you know? I think
0: we're looking at the difference between an influencer and a meme, and yeah. I think that's kind of a fine line in this case. Memes so are temporary. Yeah, I, we'll I think see. this Emily is probably more of a meme. Having not mm-hmm. seen her content, maybe she's got some. Amazing I don't know what else is content. she willing
1: to eat. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> In the Cheetos realm. Speaking of that, this is just random, but I just saw an article about um, the whole online industry of, like, really expensive Cheetos. Like, you can buy a Cheeto that looks like a particular, like, actor for, like, $10,000. Actually, one just sold for $99,000 because it looked like Harambe. So, maybe she has a future in that. (laughs) uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, every once in a while you have to stop and wonder how you're not a billionaire yet because some people are so (laughs) gullible. And yet, um, we're not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, uh, was, that was just an aside, yeah, but yeah. Uh, cool. So I kind of want
1: to find a Cheeto of Michael Jordan if they had one. Everybody. Oh, that would be yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. I'm
0: sure you could find that.
1: <laughs> I couldn't afford it, but
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Uh, and then we also wanted to chat here about this Influence for You study. They ran a study with 4,400 micro, micro and middle influencers, which mm-hmm. is defined here as 3K to 100K, from 61 countries to get to know them better. So um, we pulled up some of the findings here. It was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, the one thing that really stands out people don't always understand is what how many of them are agree to work without getting paid. So gifting products is such a big part of this industry. And it's something that people don't always um, think is possible. Um, as a brand, uh, think about what kind of value you can create for influencers. Influencers want to be recognized. Micro-influencers, and I, we, we saw this a while back when we looked at micro-influencers, we saw how many of them have fake sponsored posts. So they want to look like they're being sponsored. Um, their association with r- your brand is helpful for them as well. So it doesn't mean you, you can decide not to compensate them at all, but we're seeing a lot of cases where... Um, collaborations aren't centered on how many dollars are being uh, switching hands.
0: Yeah, and I've also seen more and more—not in this study in particular that I saw, but um, Harvard, I think, did a did a, a study recently that seeing something marked as an ad doesn't impact sales yeah. or engagement mm-hmm. at all. And influencers are actually quite content to mark things as ads. They actually believe that you know just the authority of their um, their suggestion is enough, and it doesn't matter if it's an ad.
1: So. Yeah. The other thing that really stood out to me was that only 23% of participation, participating influencers um, uh, earned more than a 1,000 pounds per year. 1,000 pounds per year. That basically means that it's not a job, it's a hobby. Yeah. Um, and obviously as you go down in size, um, you see uh, a decline. You 7% of people with less than 10,000 followers and 25% of people between 10 and, and 50 yeah um, but it
0: does remain unclear if, if they even included really large influencers in the study no. they have like a more than fifty thousand, which is kind of vague but
1: yeah but i think they mentioned it was up to a hundred thousand right at the beginning of
0: the oh, okay. so Still considered kind of micro then,
1: yeah so. no definitely this is for micro influencers but the point is you know if you look at the the breakdown 95 percent of influencers are micro influencers very few break yeah. it into the millions and and even then you say, okay, if 50,000 makes 1,000 pounds, uh, does 500,000 make 10,000? I don't know. It doesn't really – I would guess no. I would guess they make a little more. Yeah. But it's, it's – how hard is it to really get to the point where you make good money in this space? And uh, I saw this poll, I think, uh, that 50% of U.S. Uh, children said that one of their life goals is to be a YouTube star. Yeah. 50% of Chinese children said they want to be an astronaut. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, where where where's the economy going to go if, if half of those kids end up, you know, counting on YouTube to to finance? <laughs> well, it we can't
0: to, all be influencers. If yeah. every single person is special, yeah, no, <laughs>
1: and that's that's what's happening to the space. Um, that's what's happening to the space where it's commoditized, and um, every influencer has thousands of alternative influencers you could work with, mm-hmm. and. I wouldn't say every, but most of them and and if you can't really stand out, then you're not going to make a lot of money because you're replaceable.
0: yeah, but we are seeing that you know here are the stat says sixty so five percent say they have collaborated with brands more frequently this year than the previous, so we are seeing growth um, yeah so
1: no, the industry is definitely increasing the interesting part is um, that it's I think we're gonna see we're seeing less uh, enormous influencers like Kim Kardashian and more mid-level and, and smaller influencers getting business. more
0: niche, which, yeah.
1: Which is happening. Definitely.
0: Um, yeah. Cool. All right, well, um, is anything else to add, Gil?
1: Uh, I think
0: that's all I got. It looks like uh, Andrew is in Thailand. I've heard Chiang yeah. Mai is a really good time. So, Well,
1: I, if I were him, I'd start working on my 100 places to yeah. photograph in Thailand <laughs> and uh, also places not to photograph because of getting in trouble.
0: That's the real guide. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys.
1: <laughs> Thank you.